from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm Greg Sauer, Senior Editor for CUNA's Credit Union Magazine. This week's guest is Bruce Falk. When Falk took over as CEO of American Heritage Federal Credit Union in Philadelphia 38 years ago, the credit union had one office and $4 million in assets. Today, it boasts 33 offices and $2 billion in assets. In addition to his business leadership, Folk has been an active philanthropist. He founded one of the first credit union charitable foundations, Kids and Hope, which has been instrumental in developing a music therapy program for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Since its inception, Kids and Hope has raised $1.5 million. That's one of the reasons that Folk was recently named a Credit Union Rockstar by Credit Union Magazine in a special edition of the publication sponsored by Pfizer. Folk recently talked about his credit union career with my CUNA colleague, Ron Jose. You've been with American Heritage Federal Credit Union for uh, 38 years. Um, can you tell me how you started? Well, ironically, I was working for State Employees of North Carolina under Jim Blaine uh, under his legacy, and that's where I learned all about credit unions. And I, I heard about this position up here. I was a loan officer down south, and I heard about the position up north in, in uh, Philadelphia, and, uh, and that's where I grew up in the Philadelphia area. So I, I came back up here to, to, to where I really grew up. Uh, grew up at, uh, and uh, that's that's how I got involved with being the, the the manager of this small credit union, and that's what everybody was called back then, managers, not CEOs. And uh, it, it was a challenge. It was really a big challenge because it was in a definitely a low income area of of, uh, of Philly, and uh, I was dealing with a lot of uh, the, the 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 union workers across the street that were. Uh, blue collar workers of, of the UAW, and I had to get their trust, and uh, that was that was the big thing to start first, getting their trust that they understand that you know that I was out, I was outside of how they picked their managers before they always picked somebody from the union to come over and run the credit, and so I was an outsider, so I had to get their trust. Once they they trusted me, they would give us you know. They gave the credit union whatever they had out there financially that support for us. How did you get their trust? You know, you, the first thing, a lot of the guys I had, to, I, I had to deal with were involved with uh, things they shouldn't have been book, be involved with, like bookies and loan sharks and uh, and gambling. I just said, hey, man, you got you really, you really got to straighten your act up if you guys are going to uh, uh, to, to get out of the, the hole that you guys are in. And I actually paid off the we actually made loans to pay off the loan sharks and get them out of the out of the debt that they were in with these guys. And uh, and I and I I had them accountable. And I said, when when you're out on vacation, or whatever, you still gotta pay. And I I used to make them sign a loan document, uh, their, their their loan folder. I will pay. You know, when if I'm out here, I said. So the next time they came in, they were delinquent. I said, "There's your signature. You said you were going to do it. It wasn't on the document. It was just on the loan folder." But you know what? I got people today come up to me and thank me. For holding them accountable and uh, and making them change some of their ways and and it's really it, that's that's what you know we're we're a low income credit union uh, as a nation. I really like helping out the people that are in need, and that's that's the way I was brought up. You know, being a volunteer firefighter, I like helping people in 
those situations that in firefighting, and I look at the crane as another way of, of helping people out. Now, and you've obviously been successful. You started with one office and four employees, and you've grown to more than two billion in assets and nearly six hundred employees in thirty-eight years. How did you achieve all that growth? Well, some of it was mergers, but all the mergers were, were majority of the mergers were less than you know half a million dollars. Uh, they were they were small and tiny, and but it was really out hustling to try to get new SCGs, uh, select employee groups in the credit, and we have over eight hundred groups now. I I was the guy that went out since I didn't have a business development department. I was the guy going out there and and stand at doing three shifts and and marking the credit union and uh people got to know me and word of mouth kept changing and you know I'm I'm known as Bruce I'm not Mr and everybody you know calls me up and uh who wants to talk to me and I think that's I think having that reputation of being accessible to everybody uh really helped us out but it was really just going after the SEGs initially today uh because there you know there wasn't a community charter back in those days and the in the 70s and 80s, uh, that time period, but uh, the marketplace has changed somewhat since then. But that—that's—that's that's where it really was. Good old uh, footwork and going out to the plant and meeting people. And back then, it was—it was actually a little easier. Just sometimes, just to even like to to verify for a for a, a loan document, you just checked with the the employee's manager sometimes, didn't you? Oh yeah, no. That's and you know what we had the guys in the that were on our board that were in the plant and they would tell me, hey, this guy's going to, this guy's going to uh, get laid off or this guy, you know, is, is doing this stuff and and this guy's a good guy, you know, he's going to get promoted. It's it's that always helped us out uh, in the old days in the in the seventies and eighties. Uh, it's a little different today. <laughs> With the, you can't disclose anything for anything uh, and get information from companies other than do they work there, but. Uh, but I think you know what I think people actually appreciate knowing that we were we knew stuff about them that we could justify in doing making loans to people and and, and helping them out. I think I think those days are are, are totally changed uh, from when you really were in the trenches with them. Now tell me a little bit about those mergers. I know they're uh, I know you told me a little bit about those previously. I know they were a lot of those credit unions were right on the brink of failure, weren't they? And you kind of help those members out, didn't you? Well, ironically, back in the early 80s, NCUA actually came to me and said, Bruce, you want to take this small crate? Most of the cranes were really 50000 100000 you know, $300,000. They weren't big cranes. The largest crane I did up to up to this time was was uh, usually around 10 uh, the largest one was at $10 million, and we're doing one right now for uh, $40 million, but that's, that won't be done until October. Uh, so the NCUA used to, in the old days, they used to come and say, hey, would you take this credit union over, and we'll pay you for any loan losses. That was the good old days uh, that I had up to, like, three years of, of collecting any loans that went bad. Uh, now you have to basically say, hey, we'll take it, and we'll eat all the losses, or it goes out to bid. Uh, if they do liquidate it, but I was more than willing, and I wish that was the way it was today because I think they could save a lot of the cranes from being totally liquidated if if they uh, they could make them part of more of a, of a bigger credit union out there. But yeah, we that was 
that was most of the mergers were because of financial, you know, stress. Uh, very few were were that they were uh, they they were uh, you know an ongoing entity that was really strong. And through all this growth, you really kind of retained a reputation as a as a credit union that puts its members first. Not not just as members, but people first. What's kind of what's kept you so loyal and dedicated to the credit union principles? You know, I I'm still I'm still old fashioned guy. Uh, my, ironically, neither of my parents graduated from high school, and my dad always said, you know, you always you believe in God and and, uh, and you, you believe in your your country and you believe in your family, and I've always stuck to those principles and. Uh, uh, I think that's why I look at when I went to work for the our original name of our crane was called Bud Workers Federal Crane. It was a bud company. It doesn't exist anymore. But I think that when I met the people there and that they, I could see that I could literally, literally help people out jams, uh, that they were in there and, and see them change. And, you know, these guys would, these, the guy, original bud guys would really defend me, uh, and saying, "Hey, you got you got to talk to Bruce." And I think having that reputation is that's the reputation you want. You want a reputation that hey, you're not a you're not a banker. You're not, you're not accessible. You know, I people can get to me. You know, they can get to me um, if they want to talk to me. And you actually have you still have a contact the CEO button on your website, don't you? Yeah, I just had somebody this this morning call me about a mortgage loan. They wanted to try to move it up earlier, but because of TRID, they couldn't. Uh, but I, you know what? If I'm not accessible and if I'm not out shaking hands with people, uh, I think this just shows that American Heritage is uh, is accessible to all the members, new, old, young, you know, whatever. Uh, I talk to every single member by phone. They contact me through an email and then I call them back because they do not believe, and I give them my personal uh, phone number, my direct number. They do not believe that it's me that they're going to be talking to. Uh, so that's why I call them back, and every single person is shocked that I call back, except the ones that know me. Uh, and a lot of, I know thousands of members. Uh, the new members that don't know me, they're shocked when I call them back, and they say, hey, you know what, I, I didn't believe you were going to call me back. I said, yep, here's my direct number. If you have a problem in the future, and I can't always help everybody, you know. There's at times that you know somebody wants a loan, and you know their credit shot, and they're so far in debt that I even recommend bankruptcy to people. I do whatever it takes to make their lives better, okay. And uh, but I think by them knowing that, I will call them back, and they have access to me, whatever it is. I, you know, I had to call a member at, at two o'clock in the morning our time because she was over and stranded over in. Um, in Paris because her credit card didn't work and I got a, a thing at night uh, on for an email sent to me so I had to call her and say okay this is what I'm going to do and you know get a credit card over there her credit card was stolen I think that's what happened and uh, so she could you know fly it overnight to her so she had access to her money but that you know that's what I tried to ingrain with whole, whole throughout the operation do whatever it takes to make it happen out there and you you said you're also a volunteer firefighter too. Um, how long have you been doing that? Oh, a long time, probably since 1980, 30 some years, 33 years. Uh, not to my wife's happiness about it, because her father was a, a firefighter too, 
and uh, all the times we had to, because we both woke up when the beeper would go off in, in our bedroom, uh, but, you know, and staying out late on, on winter days, but I, I, you know what, that's, that's, that's just in the, my, my family's blood, not that's firefighting, but, you know, it's, it's helping people out. My father always helped people that were in need, and, uh, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we weren't poor either, but, uh, and I think that's, that's where it came from. And, uh, now how much t- of your time does the, the volunteer firefighting take, uh, and what does that involve? Well, it, it, I'm slowing down. It used to be yeah. that every, you know, in the old days, uh, and, and if, I kind of slid down a little the past few uh, years in, on running the calls. But the old days, you know, we have to, you have training for four hours a, a, a week at, on one of the days, Thursday, actually, Thursday. And then you have all the fire calls, which we had around 220 calls a year. That's what we normally have. And probably I do, did around 35% of those calls because I'd be at work the other times. Uh, and uh, it, would, it would take a lot of time up, and I'd do fundraise. I just actually, I literally just completed a, a solicitation letter for the fire department uh, to try to raise money for them. I do every year. I just literally was doing that th- this morning, uh, trying to get that out the door to the residents of our, our town that we live in there. But, you know, I, I encourage anybody who can do stuff like that. You know, it's like anything you do. Except for most people don't get up in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's whether you're in the Lions Club or Rotary or whatever, whatever, or your church. I just believe everybody needs to be given back. And uh, your shop has consistently been voted as one of the best places to work in Philadelphia. Um, I can't help but that's kind of that 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 has contributed to your growth and success as a credit union. Can you kind of tell me about your your approach uh, with employees? First of all, I am Bruce. Uh, I'm known as Bruce. I have an open-door policy. I just believe that you should say hi and, and talk to people every day when you're walking down the hallway or walking through offices. You know, they all, mean, they all know I'm a jokester, too, uh, because I have no hair. I tell them, hey, you guys make me lose more hair. And... Uh, but I think that they know that I will listen to them, and I do, and the board will do whatever it takes to make employees happy working here, trying to get the best benefits for the employees. Uh, everybody has an open-door policy, and I, we do a lot of fun and crazy stuff. We do. We have a gelatin Olympics that we raise money for our foundation where people slide into five, 700 gallons of jello. We also do a lot of things like... We go down to the Ronald McDonald House, which is all around, or all around the country. The employees go down there and cook food for them, and they volunteer for it. It's not, hey, I ask them. We're asked, we ask people, hey, do you want to volunteer and work down there? We have clean up, uh, uh, clean up uh, highways. People just volunteer. We let them go off work if they didn't want to go work off work time during work hours. They go down there. Uh, we give them time off to to help uh, do charitable work out there. And you know what? That's People really get satisfaction knowing that they're helping people in need. They really, really do. Really do. So they really have a kind of a, a sense of engagement working for your credit union. It sounds like, it sounds like that's something that you really um, try to promote within the credit union. I do, and I also, you know, I I go over the financials. We had our we had a staff meeting of uh, three hundred. Fifty people last night. Uh, I go over the financials with them. I tell them the good, bad, and the ugly. 
I think if, if you just sugarcoat everything, people don't buy into it. Whereas if they know, hey, this is we're all working to uh, to improve the services of the credit and make the credit union grow, and uh, they really buy into it and they feel part of it. And I think it's permeates throughout the organization. It really does. And everybody, we have all these committees that people that are for charitable events or projects. We have the everybody in different levels be participating so that it's just not Bruce saying it. Uh, I used to be a dictator in the old days. You know, I'd say, let's just do this. Now, you know, uh, I get wiser and, and, or, or smarter. I don't know about that. But uh, in the past, you know, decade or so, I'd say, get the people to do it all the time. Get get the regular people and of all different levels to be involved with it and all sorts. So. Now, I know this is one of your favorite topics, um, you were one of the first credit unions to start uh, its uh, own charitable foundation. And that that foundation, Kids in Hope, is a huge success story. Can you tell me a little bit about how how that came to be and uh, what are some of your uh, what are some of the activities you're involved in? You know, I went I was driving down about down 95 on a Friday. I remember that we started this in 94. I heard about it. And I was driving down the road, and I heard about Make-A-Wish Make was taking the kids to Alaska. And I said, you know what, maybe we should do something to help out. the, the Since Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is in our field of membership, we have a branch in there. And I, I, I went down there, and I asked them, hey, can we do, uh, we want to take kids to Disney World, because I love this. So I went down there. They said, nah, just give us the money. I said, nah, forget it. We're going to go. I'll go over to the Children's Seashore House. And uh, I said, we want to take kids to Disney World. And uh, the Children's Seashore House is the rehab hospital now of Children's Hospital for kids for long-term uh, rehabilitation. You know, people that are there for, you know, can be there 10 years or their whole life, actually, believe it or not. And I uh, went over there, and they were in our field of membership, too, and they said the same thing. They said, oh, just give us the money. I said, nah, I don't want to do that. So I heard about, they said, well, would you consider doing a music therapy program? I said, why? They said, because music therapy gets kids to move their hands, their arms, their eyes, get them to forget about pain because they're singing or playing musical instruments. And they said, I said, well, I, I really like to take kids to Disney World. They said, well, let us tell you about the story that just happened at the art therapy program. The art therapist was working with a girl that was 12 years old who got hit by a car and became a paraplegic. She drew a picture with a pen in her mouth, and the art therapist asked her, what's this picture of? She says, oh, that's a picture of my heart. And the art therapist asked her, what's the, all those red squiggly lines for? She says, oh, that's a picture of my heart on fire. She says, why is your heart on fire? She says, because I can never hug my mommy again. I says, I guess we're in the music therapy business. I went back, got my HR, vice president of HR. We went out, bought $2,500 worth of musical instruments. We have donated. Our employees, American Heritage employees, have raised, and the board have raised one point will be $1.4 million this year for that music therapy program. We do goofy things. We have a, a gelatin Olympics where we make uh, 700 gallons of jello. People slide in it. They pay their bosses to slide in it. We had uh, 400 people attend it. We had 190 sliders slide in the gel. They pay uh, people dressed in zany costumes. You win prizes. Whoever raises the most, whoever has the craziest outfits and stuff. And we do a golf outing, which everybody does. We do books for kids, where we raise uh, we 
we sell books to our members. Our members put their names in it, and then we give the book uh, to Children's Hospital. So we do a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things for the the Kids and Hope Foundation out there. So it's it's the makeup of what we are, American Heritage about. So it's really part of it's really part of your credit union, and I know your employees are uh, are they're very actively involved in it as well, aren't they? Oh, well, everybody is. Everybody wants to be a part of it. As part, if if you do an event for the 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 Kids and Hope Foundation, you get an opportunity to go down to Children's Hospital and do arts and crafts for one day, and everybody fights for that because it's so heart wrenching and tear jerking. People come back crying because they see how bad the kids are. Uh, you know, things they can't do. If you're not used to that, you know, I, I've been down there all the time. It's still hard. It's hard. You know, it's very hard. But the good that Children's Hospital does for the kids over there in the Seashore House, it's like, wow. It is wow. Um, wow, that is. It's very touching. I I, I know in, in speaking of helping each people, uh, again, um, I know that in the past you've been very active with the World Council of Credit Unions. Can you tell me a little bit about your uh, involvement there? I served on the board for uh, five years with them. It, it was a great, great experience. I was the treasurer there and uh, also on the World uh, Woku's uh, Foundation Board also. I, you know, I got involved with it back in uh, 1999, uh, and I went over to Kenya in 2001, and I heard about this uh, this orphanage over there called Busia Compassion Orphanage. And it was started by this lady and her husband who lived in the town. Her husband was the, the, the doctor of the town, and uh, he unfortunately got killed in a car accident. But they bought an old ran-down motel, which had no floor, and it was all dirt floors. And they were getting all the kids off the street and going around the community asking for food. All the kids that were on the street, because AIDS was really big uh, back then, 25% of the population had AIDS. All these kids were orphans were all running around the street. So they brought them back, brought them in, and the government was really forcing people because they had to get a license to have an orphanage, and they were actually dropping kids off there for them, and they had to take them. If if they didn't take them, they would lose their license. So they were in a catch-22. So I heard about their food, the need for food, and I asked them, what can we do? And she, the first thing she said, can, we need to get a bicycle. So my wife and I donated bicycles for them to go collect food at night rather than walk the, the village collecting food at night. So, And then I, I said, you know what, what's the cost to feed, you know, 145 kids? And it actually came out to be like ten to $11,000 a year. So our board of directors uh, stepped up the plate and said, we'll pay for the food for those kids. That they get three square meals a day, and we've been doing that for, I think, we've donated close to $175,000 to that orphanage to help build it and feed the kids. So that is really heart-wrenching. I played Santa Claus, and uh, to the kids, uh, we the Woku board brought in a lot of uh, presents for each kid. We get a present. These kids have never, never, ever got a, a present ever got present for their birthday, let alone Christmas. So this was really their first time that they ever got presents. So 
I came out in a Santa Claus outfit in 113 degree degree heat, saying ho ho ho, and these kids must saying, "What's this white dude saying ho 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 in a red suit?" Because they, they didn't really know Santa Claus, you know. So I came out there, and uh, it, it was very heart wrenching that I gave the first kid, little girl, Clifford, a red dog. She didn't know how to hug it because you know who takes care of the little kids was the 10 and 12 year old girl, the kids. Take care of all the little little kids there. The wow. Yeah. So we had to teach her how to hug it. They hugged the, 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 the Clifford. We gave one 12 year old boy a frisbee. What do you think he thought it was? A plate. He thought it was a plate. Now we had to go teach him how to throw a frisbee. You know, we, they'd never seen footballs before. We we brought footballs. They're all in, they're only in the soccer stuff yeah. over there. So. We taught him how to throw a football because it is a little weirder throwing a football than a soccer ball. And, uh, you know, it was just, you know, we gave the older girls sewing kits and and we had people teach them how to do sewing kits and sewing stuff. But it's just like, wow. And now they have a new orphanage. They have concrete floors. They have, you know, new beds uh, that the Woku uh, people have donated their time to go over there and make that stuff. I know numerous people, you know, I've gone over there, helped build the orphanage. It's it's really, really, it's nice. They, they have a well. I know Brian Branch, the CEO of, um, of Woku, and I and I were putting initially putting up barbed wire fence in 113-degree heat. Uh, you know, it's, it was really to, to in, you know, enclose the, where the orphanage was going to be, so uh, keep the wild animals out and stuff like that. But it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, I'll remember all that stuff. You've got your board involved too. I mean, you've you've traveled over there and done some done some building yourself as well, haven't you? Yep, went over there, built you know, built some beds and uh, help you know f- fix up the the housing over there that the kids are at. We built some um, what do you call them, play uh, jungle gyms uh, over there, so the kids would have a playground area. Uh, cleaned out cleaned out a lot of the underbrush when we were over there, so. Uh, and that was fun. I, I actually I enjoy working with my hands. We actually built a uh, helped build a, a garden at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for the local community that the people can come there and get fresh vegetables. So we do a lot of things. Our our board supports a lot of a lot of projects out there. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.